break any rumors before they start. Yes, I was on my phone before Chance got here. My son showed me a neat trick about this mixer we got donated. I can control it from my phone, so I turned it up just a little bit. All right. Today's message is, what's love got to do with it? And some of you may remember that that is a song, but it worked perfect as a title, so I stole it. Uh, (laughs) Since we're talking about love, um, gentlemen, never laugh at your wife's choices. You're one of them. Um, (laughs) Woo, Bob, you better watch out there, brother. (laughs) I got some more for you because, well, I liked them. A man once relayed the following story. He said, I was on a flight the other day, and I found I'd been seated next to a beautiful young woman, and as I sat down next to her, I said, does the airline charge you extra for sitting next to a good-looking man? And her immediate response was, yes, but I wasn't prepared to pay that price. (laughs) You know... (laughs) I like to show my wife who's boss in our house, so I just hold up a mirror for her to her face. And the last one, and probably the worst. A wife asked her husband, how would you describe me? And he thought for a second, and he said, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K. And she was confused, and she said, well, what does that mean? She was ready to pounce on him. And her husband replies, adorable. Beautiful, cute, delightful, elegant, fashionable, gorgeous, and hot. And the wife says, oh, thank you. But what does IJK stand for? He said, oh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Well, we know who found that one funny, didn't we? All right, today we pick up again in 1 Corinthians We're going to go into chapter 13, commonly called the love chapter. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to there, or it'll be on the screen. Paul preached the gospel in Corinth in the early 50s AD and during his second missionary journey. We know that opposition was pretty fierce there, and Jesus spoke to him in a vision and said, you know, you need to stay here. And with this, Paul encouraged the saints, and he stayed on for 18 months, and he taught them God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, I'll be originally reading from the New King James, and it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself and is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. 
But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide the, these, faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And I know, Lord, that we're not going to go too deep today, but Lord, we ask that you would apply this scripture to our hearts, each and every one of us, that we could say without a shadow of a doubt when we leave this place that we have been changed by your word. Lord, that we can say that we want to share the gospel, the love that you've shown us in Jesus Christ. And we, we do love you, Lord, as best we can. We thank you, Lord, that we aren't perfect, but we are being perfected in you. In Jesus' mighty name, the strong Son of God in the church said, Amen. Our life principle today, agape love, is more important than anything for Christians. And it will revolutionize your life if you let it. If you let it. Love, number one, is the important part of the Christian experience. Love is the most important part of the Christian experience. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1-3, New Living says this, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Last week in the scripture, we ended with Paul going through the spiritual gifts and he says, yet I, I show you a more excellent way to live. And this is this week. This is the more excellent way to live. A lot of people hear that word love and they tune out. Don't tune out this morning. This week we find Paul writes the more excellent way. He teaches it to us. This chapter is often called the love chapter, like I said earlier, but it fleshes out the importance of love in the Christian's life and what the love actually looks like in a Christian's life. He starts by, by saying that if he could speak in any language on earth, in any angelic language or any form of that that exists, it would mean nothing without love. In other words, if a church believes themselves to be spiritual people, yet they do not show the acts of love, there is no reason for that church to exist, period. It has become a clanging gong. It has become a country club, a place to go to make yourself feel better, if there is no love in it. So it might be important that we find out what kind of love the Apostle's writing about here, don't you think? Our term love in English today is very convoluted. So watered down that it's become to mean anything from out-and-out -out lust to uh, I love my brother to a love that is pure and self-sacrificing. 
It's become to mean just about anything. And it's especially evident when we look at how the world has redefined the words we use every day. I find the older I get, the more words that don't mean what they used to mean. They've changed. For example, and this is just a silly example, uh, you know, I'm a teacher and I have kids that use, that are starting to use this term, and it's two words, say less. I had no idea what this meant. Now to me, that seems kind of rude. I'm telling a student that he needs to do such and such an activity, and his immediate response to me is, say less, Mr. Kramer. My response to him at the time was, excuse you? You mean tell me, say less. What does that mean? Come to find out, to the kids at least, in my school, it means you don't have to say any more. I got it. I'm taking care of it. Okay. It's a shortcut. I understand now. You know, we, had, we used to have terms like that too, like cool. They still use that word, but not as often, I'm finding. So let's take a minute and look at the different uh, kinds of love that actually existed in the ancient Greek language. Did you know that there are four kinds of love that were used during the time of the writing of this scripture? But only three ever appear in the scriptures. So we're going to focus on those three. The first one is eros. Now this is the root word for where we get the word erotic. It's a physical kind of love, and that's as far as I'm going on that. The second word is phileo. This is a brotherly or a family love. This is the root for the word Philadelphia, which, by the way, I suggest you don't visit because it is not the city of brotherly love anymore. Uh, it means this, it's supposed to mean the city of brotherly love, but <laughs> no. Now I think it means trash heap or something. I don't know. You could say this is the, uh, the love that I give to my family, the love I give to my brother. This is the love that says, I love you because you love me. That's phileo. Agape. Now this is God's kind of love. This is a love that says, I love you with no conditions. I love you just because. No condition. I just love you. And when Paul writes love here, I looked it up, he's using God's kind of love. It is agape that is used in this scripture. I love you just because. If you want a more verbose definition, it's to have love for someone or something based on sincere appreciation and high regard to love, to regard with affection, loving concern, just to love. And that is what Paul is saying is a better way. I love you just because. This term is used in multiple places in the Bible, but I'm only going to hit a few places. In John 13, 34, it says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. That's agape, each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Luke 16, 13, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. 
You cannot serve God and mammon. And yes, folks, there are those out there that love money so much that they will seek it their entire lives, and most of them won't have any. John 3.30, that's a, that's, that's a different sermon. We're going to move on. John 3.35 says, The Father loves the Son, agape, and has given all things into His hand. 1 John 4.19, We love Him because He first loved us. You see, as humans, we cannot agape in purity without His love for us, without His sacrifice on the cross, without the cleansing of our spirits, without the regeneration of our spirits by the Holy Spirit. Love is not considered to be a part of churches today when we look around. Agape, this kind of love is missing in today's church. It really is. Love is not considered to be something to be strived for, sought after, or even put into practice. No, agape is not something that should be overlooked. It is the main thing. And out of love we tell you that if you don't have Jesus, you're dying in your sins and you're going to hell. Churches have plenty of activities, plenty of programs, plenty of music, but they lack the one thing that God calls the most important for His people to demonstrate. This is agape. The love that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love, the agape of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Love. Not a false love, but God's love. With this in mind, let's look at our main text again. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but if I have not love, it profits me nothing. Now go into that verse, and where every point it says love, to kind of get you out of your own mindset, put agape in there. Write it in the notes of your Bible, agape. A-G-A-P-E. Agape. And though I have all faith, I'm just going to just look at that a minute, so that I could remove mountains but have not agape. I love you just because I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not agape, it profits me nothing. It puts it on another level to use that term there. Only you know if agape is missing from your life toward God and your fellow Christians. Only you can know that. If it is missing, today's a good day to repent and ask God for it. To supernaturally shed that love all over your inner being so that you may serve Him more faithfully. 
and with more passion than you ever had before. Number two, agape will revolutionize your life. Oh, you think your life has been revolutionized already? Try putting agape into practice. Try asking God to help you put that into practice even more. It will revolutionize your existence. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. I'll be honest, sometimes I can be irritable. And if I am, I apologize beforehand. And we need to talk about that if you find me irritable, okay? Because that's something I've been working on for years. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you. I can be irritable. Right, Ryan? Yeah, he's right. He's got it. He's got it. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't resist. Oh, now you're getting told on. Yeah, Bob, Bob's over there looking the other way. Anyway, it does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. Sometimes love is lacking in our lives, and there's a good test to see if love is lacking in your walk with Christ. And let me tell you, when we do this, there is no person in this church who should not be truly pricked at the heart by these words. Every Christian upon self-examination will find a need for repentance this morning when we do this test. We're going to do this together in your mind. Please don't speak it out. I don't want to, I don't want to see you go, oh, that got me. Here it is. You ready? Replace the word love in verses 4 through 7 with your own name. Go ahead as we read it through. I'll read my name. Joe is patient and kind. Joe is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Joe does not demand his own way. Joe is not irritable. Joe keeps no record of being wrong. Joe does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Joe never gives up. Joe never loses faith. Joe always hopeful. And Joe endures through every circumstance. That's a hard one to take. I took that this morning before I got here, so I'm not like crushed at the moment. But there was a lot of repentance this morning, I'll tell you that. Because even one little thing, yes, Lord, you're right, I'm wrong. Take it verse by verse with your name. Later today, examine it. Examine your life through each verse. You know what you're going to find? 
Same thing we all find. You're not where you should be in your dealings with Christ or your dealings with other people. You're going to find a need to repent. And you'll find a need to make sure that your life is genuine and genuinely lived before God and others. Don't put on airs. Be genuine before God. Be genuine before others. Yes, folks, you're not going to hear a lot of sermons preached like I, just, like I just gave about testing yourself. You see, today in Christendom, in Christianity, in modern what we call Christianity, Jesus was and is all of these things, but those that swear by His name have become fake. Today it's more about the music, the emotional manipulation of people, than it is about serving God and serving others. Today, most churches this morning will spend ungodly amounts of time and money on, let's just say, lighting, instruments, fog machines. We could go down lists to put on a show. It's all about the show, rather than loving each other. Never, ever let that charge be brought against this church. Ever. Now don't get me wrong. It's nice to have music to worship God to. We do it every Sunday. And it's great. But we're not going to go in debt for it. Having music is not the problem. The problem is then when that becomes more important than showing agape to people. The problem is that where all your money is going ends up just to be putting on a show. Not worshiping God in spirit and in truth. John 4.24 said, For God is spirit. And so those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Remember, Paul's talking to a church that isn't caught up in God's love. They're caught up in something else, and for them, it was the spiritual gifts. They become unloving and seeking the wrong thing. So he writes in verse 8, Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. This scripture, by the way, is often used to say that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. And you're entitled to your opinion, but the scripture doesn't bear that out. You say, why? Because the Bible is perfect in its original manuscripts, and we know this. And we now have the Bible, so this means that God's gifts are gone, right? No, that's faulty logic. Let's find out why. Number one, Paul never imagined a time when everyone had their own copy of the Scripture. It was unheard of. Where did you find the Scriptures? In the synagogues. You might find part of a Scripture somewhere at home somebody wrote down for you, but you found it in the synagogue. This concept of having a Bible would have been foreign to him. Number two, do we today know all things about Jesus fully in the sense that our love are a perfect reflection of who God is? Do we no longer disagree about side issues that have no effect on one's salvation? Have we all fully grown into the maturity and the perfection of Christ? I don't know about y'all, but my answer to all of those is no then that which is perfect has not come yet. What Paul is referring to here is the second coming of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. 
For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. We will be changed in the twinkling of an eye and we will be with Jesus in whom all perfection dwells. Then we will not need the gifts because Jesus will be with us. The gifts of the Spirit are given to put our focus on Christ, our focus on agape, our focus on love. When Christ is with us, he will have all the focus because he is God clothed in resplendent glory. Paul shows the futility of placing so much emphasis on the gifts of the Spirit while at the same time showing them that they have been rejecting agape love. You know all that stuff you're seeking after? The big house, the money, motorcycle, if that's what you're into, boats. One day all your stuff's going to belong to someone else. It won't matter. You're wasting your time. If you don't remember anything, remember this. The greatest thing that will remain for all eternity is love. Love is the greatest thing. It will remain for all eternity. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Paul says all these things that are so temporary, that you're so worried about, they're not going to last. Stop putting so much emphasis on the temporary things. The the spiritual charismatic gifts, they are wonderful, don't get me wrong, if they're true. We discussed false and true gifts a while back. You can go back if you haven't heard that. It's on our YouTube channel. That building, that boat, that motorcycle, them lights, them fog machines, them musical instruments, all of it's going to go bye-bye. It's all about the matter of your inner life, your heart. What will you do with Jesus. Get your heart and your mind off the temporary things. Paul says, hey, y'all are acting like children when you do that. It's time for Christendom to grow up and to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, when I'm upset about something, I try to put a test to this. And I've done this recently and had to repent before God. And I'm not going to tell you all about it, but is what I am upset over, is whatever's angering me, is whatever's in front of me that I'm obsessed with, that, that I'm angry about, 
does it have eternal value? Because if it has no eternal value, then why am I putting so much time into it? Does it have eternal value? If it doesn't, then pray and ask God to help you get over it and get your mind right and your right thinking. Put yourself in order. Why? Because it's time for the Christian to put away the temporary, the childish, the things, the stuff, and know that as we cross over into eternity, only three things will remain for all of us. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. We know that by faith we are saved. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. And we know about hope. Our hope is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he has risen from the dead. We will rise as well in a perfect reflection of his glory. We just read that. 1 Corinthians 15, when we get there, verse 20 says this, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man comes death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so as in Christ all shall be made alive. Though faith by which we are saved and hope by which we know we will spend all eternity with Christ is still behind that agape love. And agape love are things that will remain for all eternity. We know that the greatest of the three is agape. Because with love, your life mean, without love, your life means nothing. Your life will be spent doing activities, but it will not have eternal power. It will not have eternal value. Agape love, folks, as the ladies come to sing, agape love is more important than anything for Christians. It will revolutionize your life, and it will revolutionize your church. Showing love, the most important thing, since we're talking about love, is Jesus Christ. The video earlier said, what are you going to do with Jesus? And you know, if you're still a Christian, you're saved, you're going to heaven when you pass on, the question still remains. 